go. What's up, guys? This is the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. Guys, Alan is back with us. Yes. Alan, how excited are you to be back in here with us? Well, I tell you what, when uh, you get a part of a, a service for God and you put your heart into it and you think it's really where God wants you to be and then you miss it, well, I tell you what, I realized that uh, listening to the past two podcasts that the podcast doesn't need me as bad as I need to be a part of the podcast. So I am excited to be back, and I missed you guys. You done a, Both of you guys done a really uh, just a great job with the topic and uh, took a couple of weeks to cover it and covered it very well. Well, we appreciate it. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll say this. like, it's, it's fun. It's like me and Josh talked about, I think, the first week. It's fun to have three because if someone can't be here, then there's still two. Yes. Um, now, I will say this. Eventually, I'm going to have to train one of you on how to run sound in case <laughs> I can't make it. So, maybe you guys can well, play rock, paper, scissors. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go ahead and volunteer Josh. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we can get uh, we can get Joe Lovin to come run some sound or somebody. Because uh, I thought about that the other day. I was like, if I'm ever not here, we're going to be in a pickle. We're yeah. going to figure something yep. out. So. But you know, it's we'll, definitely we'll, good to have you back. Though. Yeah, you've been missed. Yeah, because well. <laughs> that's what I was getting ready to say is what me and Josh were talking about is it's great to have three, but obviously when one's gone and it's just two, you can still have great conversation. But there's just that whole other mind, idea, opinion, voice that's missing. And so you know, me, me and Josh, we're super excited to have you back Absolutely. too, Alan. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share. Hopefully, I don't overshare, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a little bit of what went on uh, the past two weeks while we're unable to be a part of the podcast i spend a lot of time thinking and praying and uh sometimes i get hung up in my head and think well I'm, i need to pronounce my words more clearly i need to spit that marble out and, and, and you know yeah. enunciate better uh i'm gonna be me I'm, I'm gonna be the best version of me god made me yeah and i'm not gonna try to be anything i'm not <laughs> so uh, I think that's something that really God convicted me over while I was away. Yeah. I was like, man, alive, I need to do this or I need to do that. God's like, no, you need to be Alan. You yeah. need to be who yep. I made you. I've got, yep. I've, got a, I've got a Josh. I've got a Hunter. I need an Alan. So uh, I think the sincerity of uh, just being who God made you is a pretty unique thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to stick to it. Yeah. I was about to say, when we start doing video sessions of this, kind of <laughs> letting, <laughs> letting some of the cat come out of the back, listen, I'm not an editor. So like when when the video push play, video push click, I can edit some things, but man, you're get oh, listen. You're gonna for, get you tell what you can get. You'll get a whole bunch of eye candy right here. And so, <laughs> and so I say that to say this, and I'm not gonna you know let the cat out of the bag just yet. But in three weeks, we are going to do something. And if you are a member of this church, if you are a listener of this, we'll come out with more information soon. But you have an opportunity to just see how real this setting yes. is like we don't plan this no uh we mess up we say things we laugh we drop our phones go off we drop drinks so you guys are going to have an opportunity in the next few weeks to have an opportunity just to see how real it is but uh we're just super excited and really i'm thankful that we have a church that wants this ministry to grow and be promoted so but we'll we'll give it a couple of weeks before we let the cat out of the bag but guys we're back um the three of us are together three amigos um and so we're super excited to be able to be together in the same room but as you guys know we did finish up complementarianism and egalitarianism last uh week it's a great opportunity to be able to talk about a problem and an issue that is going on within the church so that as we talked about, that it feels like the world is trying to put more emphasis on the man's ideology 
Uh, me and Josh were talking about ideology, and I just said it. Yeah. Um, but that's true. Is man has these ideas, man has these things that they're trying to force and label the church with. But you know, more important than anything else, we need to see what the Word of God says. So something that you guys don't even know that happened while I was actually on the way out on our on my trip, uh, I was talking to a pastor about some things that was on my heart about the, the podcast. Had no idea that this topic that you guys covered for the past two weeks was what was going to be. I mean, I know it was on the, on the slate to be addressed at some point during the podcast, but didn't know it was going to happen the past two weeks. Uh, and uh, I was telling the pastor some things that were burdened my heart, and one of the things was the uh, the family. Absolutely. And the structure of the family yeah. and how that uh, it's important to yes. not only – having a strong church, but having a strong community and having a, a, a strong society yeah, and uh, come back. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to blend really well to the next couple of podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we really appreciate, you know, Jimmy Pratt sent the question about complementarianism, egalitarianism. Um, Jimmy also sent another question and I actually got to talk to him this week and he just loved the segment um, he felt like the question was just thoroughly answered and enjoyed the conversation about it. And uh, me and Jimmy, we have light conversations when, you know, me, him, and my dad, we all get together and we hang out. Um, and, and so, we, Jimmy, we appreciate the question, but we're also going to answer another question Jimmy sent in. Um, him and his wife actually submitted in a question, and we'll get to hers later on. Um, but Jimmy asked a question, and this is going to start us off. So, guys, our, our plan is is we are starting a new segment today. It's not this question, but e- each intro, each podcast we have, we are going to try to start an introduction with the question because they're starting to come in pretty quick right now. Um, so we don't want to get behind. And yeah, we, we want to we want to thank you guys for sending yes, those in. And absolutely. As out of respect for you taking time to spend those in, we're going to try to hit one every week as an intro. Yeah, and uh, we hope they keep coming in. Yeah. Honestly, I hope there's a waiting list of questions. But Jimmy asked another question, and so Jimmy, we we thank you for your interest. But he said, "Can God come back now?" I kind of want to like dive a little deeper into that question by saying. Um, you know, that that's that's a good question, but I think it can almost be said in this way, you know, considering everything that's going on right now from 2019 into 2020, when we look at the Bible, when we look at prophecy, when we look at things going on uh, in the context of 2020, could Jesus Christ return to gather the church right now? So there, there's the alley-oop. Who's, who's going to dunk it first? Who's taking this? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so if, if you... Uh First, set the stage for the conversation uh, for the fact that we in this room are are biblically minded, are reverent to God, and believe in the sovereignty and the holiness of the inspired Word of God, can look at a question like that and say, absolutely. It's our hope. It's our anticipation. But because that he's long-suffering towards us, he is patient. And he's not willing that he should perish. He has extended time and grace and mercy for those that are not prepared to get prepared, to, to, to believe and, and accept him as their Savior. But then again, let's look at the part of the audience that may listen to this podcast who don't have a reverential fear, who don't believe in the true authority of God's word. Those folks could look at a question like that and say, man, I've heard that all my life. Right. I've got some 
or ironclad logic. I've used that terminology a couple of times. If you heard that when you was 10 and you're now 20, right. I guarantee you it's closer now than it was the first time you heard it. The options that are uh, running out and the fact that the, the, the coming of, uh, of Christ is soon at hand is more evident now than it's ever been in their life. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, just for the simple fact that he's long-suffering towards us is, is all that's keeping him. Yeah. It's all he's waiting on. Well, so, and, and did you say something, Josh? Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, okay. This is short, man. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, yes, in the context of 2020, yes. But I think if you look at the fa- last five years, um, four years, I think if you had asked anybody that question, um, any biblical-minded Christian, the answer would have been yes. Um, just because, you know, the Bible says that no man knows the hour. Um, and so we, we have no mental capability of trying to discern nor comprehend the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Now, we do have prophecy. We do have things that we can look at. Um, but none of us have the divine holiness to be able to see when Jesus is going to return. Um, no one can guess. Um, I've heard of people who take things out of the Bible, numbers, all sorts, of, and try to figure it out. Um, it is interesting. It is fun to talk about, but ultimately, we have no clue. Um, and I think the reason, and I hope this makes sense, the reason that I think, one of the reasons we're not supposed to know is because in us not knowing, one, it increases our faith because we're believing in something that we can't see. But also, when you have that faith towards that, it also creates a hope that He is going to return, and we believe that. And so if the believer knew when Jesus was returned, like the specific day, the specific time, I think that would almost take away the aspect of hope because right. we're hoping in our salvation. We're hoping in Jesus Christ. Um, and when you hope for something, that means you believe in it. And so if also if we knew the time and day, I think that would kind of deplete our faith because then Absolutely, we— Absolutely, because you—yeah. You, you would know then. Yeah, you'd base it off of knowing more than a hope. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it's important that, yes, the answer is yes. Josh, what were you getting ready to say? Oh, I was just on the topic of, um, all right, the question. I was going to say that, yeah, I believe that most assuredly he can come back at any moment in time. And the point that I want to put out to, to, in a look, way of looking at this is that we are single-minded as far as when we complete actions, when we complete tasks, we have one thing we focus on. We Even if we are a multitasker, we still physically speaking can only handle one thing at a time. Um, however, with God, that is not the case. And so like, the, you know, the, some people say that, you know, well, these certain markers have to be come through that are prophesied. And I believe that, you know, multiple things can start at one time of occurrence that we would see that it just... Like I said, I think that he has the full capability to, once it starts, it's going to be like wildfire. Yeah. The, the power that God has oh. is n- not even comparable to our ability to accomplish things. Yes. So I agree with you 100%, Josh. Yeah. When God gets ready, whatever scripture we think. Right. And that's the exactly. key word. Yes. That's the key yes. word. <laughs> yes. We think. Yes. Is yet to be fulfilled. Yeah. God does not need to consult us and get our exactly. opinion on how we think he's doing in yeah. chronological order of the scripture. Uh, God can make it happen at the twinkling of an eye, the yeah. Bible says. Well, and even like when you think, some of you guys are listening to this, and maybe these are terms you don't know. One thing that I, I think is so cool is we're able to talk about terms that maybe not that aren't common. I, I know Pastor Jason said this, that 
there are things that we talk about in here that a pastor may not get to spend a whole hour talking about. And so, you know, when you think about the tribulation that's going to occur, you you have a lot of you have three different views. You have a pre-trib, a, a mid-trib, and a post-trib. Now, excuse me. Now, with that in mind, a pre-trib believes that Jesus is going to come to get the church before tribulation. Mid-trib, in the middle, post, after. Now, when you look at the aspect of all three, yes, someone might try to side with one, but you still can't get away with this answer. Jesus is going to return. Whenever he, yes. whenever he is supposed to, he will be here. So even in light of whenever it takes place, those three matters won't matter because the moment will matter. And when we go back to the topics that were covered and the topics that we're going to cover, a very important element of those topics is submission. And we're not talking about uh, power. We're talking about submitting ourselves to the authority of God. Yes. God, God doesn't need our permission. God doesn't need our help. Yeah. God's completely independent and able to accomplish all of these things perfectly in His will without running them by us or without seeing if we approve of them. Yeah, and I'll say this too. Um, I think there's something beautiful too about now the three of us believe that the Lord could return at any moment, but there's also thousands out there that would agree to that question. So I think it's something beautiful because it talks about how we are the body and we are like-minded, one-minded, one spirit, one accord. And so I think there's something beautiful that there's a lot of us out there that have that urge and that discernment within us that we feel like his return could be imminent. I mean, it could be right now. Now, I do want to say this, and I want to start off with this analogy. Um, a lot of people work, right? Um, you got to have money. You got to do things. But there's something about working for a long time. You know, if you stay with the company for a long time, you have plans. You have a retirement plans. And so the whole point is you work, 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 work. When that day comes, retirement hits, then you lay back and you think, well, I'm good. Um, we should not treat the Lord's imminent return, could be any moment now, as a retirement. As in, oh, well, Jesus is coming back, so I don't need to serve anymore. I don't need to. It's so close. What's the point? That's the wrong mindset to have. I, I want to remind our listeners that, and I believe it's Mark chapter 13, when you have uh, the parable of the master leaving the house, he said that he left things to be taken care of. There were servants. There was a gatekeeper. He said, lest I come back and find you sleeping. So I, I think there's something else to say that, yes, he could return at any moment. But that doesn't mean that we get our lawn chairs out and put them in the front yard and just like stare at the sky and forget about the church, yep. forget about ministry, and forget about evangelism. Um, Pastor Jason said that from the pulpit. If your salvation was a profession and then relaxing and waiting for Jesus to come back, that is not a true biblical salvation at all. So in our pursuit of God and our relationship with Him and our sanctification, this should actually spurn us to be more active if we believe yeah, that countdown. it's a reality, if we believe it's a reality, and if it's real to us, and we yes, God can come back at any time. How important is it now that I witness to my lost family member? Absolutely, and you neighbors, know, exactly. Everybody you come in contact exactly. with, exactly. And, that, and that's even like with faithfulness to the church. I think is something key right now that we all should. Um, self-reflect on are we being faithful to the local body because a lot of people hear the word church and they think about coming to the building something about the building but the church is referenced even when you study out ephesians 4 as i was reading today the body is believers we are the body of christ 
The power, the the mystery that Ephesians talks about is made known because the church exemplifies and shows the power of God because of Jesus Christ. And so there, there's such a, a, a topic and a thread out there that needs to be said, you know, we need to be faithful to the church. I think that's why right now you see a lot of pastors not begging, not pleading, but preaching the word of God. But in a lot of the messages, they're talking like, where is everybody? You know, are we at home? watching Facebook, and I want to say this, if you are still doing Facebook church, I, I, I'm just say if you have ter- terminal illness, if you have things going on, um, because of this coronavirus, you do need to be hesitant. Yeah. You you do need to be careful. Weaken the immune system, things that could absolutely put it, you at risk. It happens. We, it's understandable. Yes, but I think there's something that also needs to be said. Being faithful to the church does not mean that you're sitting at home watching a Facebook video for an hour. That is not faithful to the church. Being faithful to the church is being with the church, not forsaking the assembly. assembly yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ask for, you know, rebuttals or anything. I, I just think it's important that we all consider where we, where are we right now? You know, if Jesus could return at any moment, He said, "Shall I find faith upon the earth?" So that means is He's He's looking and He's at. Or is are people going to be faithful when I return? And I want to be in the center of the people. The faithful people. When he comes back, I want to be able to say, yes, I was faithful to you. You know, the ones that are faithful till the end, the Bible talks about that. And I'm not saying you're not faithful. I just think it's a, the t- it's a time right now where we really need to consider, you know, we, we don't have a spirit of fear. We're not a people of fear. We are more than conquerors. We have God as our creator, our father. Jesus is interceding for us. I mean, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so if we have him as the advocate, if we have him as our Savior, if we have Him as our Good Shepherd, then I think right now is a time where we need to be faithful to the local body more than ever. And I mean, tent revivals are taking place all over the country right now. And I mean, they are literally preaching gospel all over. Probably the most amount of revivals I've ever seen take place in about five months is happening right now. But it's like the revival that took place on the Washington you know, Mall of the Lawn right there um, next to the monument. You know, he he's this man's preaching, and uh, I, I listen to some of the sermons. But he's saying, "Hey, if we're the body, if we're the church, you know, judgment starts at the house of God. We we've got to get right. If we want the world to get right, if we want our government to get right, then we need to be the first ones to get on our knees and call out upon God as His people. So yes, Jesus could come back, but there's so much in front of us. The fields are white; they're ready." But the labors are few, and so I, I would encourage you. Let's be. Let's all jump on and be labors right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, well said. And when we when we thought uh, think about what God's got in store for the church and the the the, the great commission that He left for us, uh, our our uh, time should be spent uh, <laughs> in, in in you know in the pursuit of others and, and placing others higher than ourselves and well. Uh, Instead of worrying about our retirement, worrying about folks' eternal yeah destiny because it's it's that it's that real it's that serious. One thing I love too, and I'll say this for you know even during when the church was closed down, we had people in this fellowship that were having home church at the time. They're like letting people into their house, and so I think there is something to say that you know people that were staying home having church at home. You know we can be faithful to the Lord. Um, I kind of want to add that to what I said earlier. We can be faithful to the Lord. We can be faithful to God. Um, you know, during this corona time when we didn't have church, we had to spend a lot more time in our Bibles and on our knees. And we need to be faithful to the Lord in that aspect. But I'm telling you, 
It's like right now. Churches should be open. Churches should be open and people should be going back, um, being careful and all of those things. Josh, did you have anything you want to add before we transition to our new topic? No, just one of the points that you made. I mean, it, it reminded me of in the, the beginning chapter of Acts where he says, you know, why are you guys staring, looking up there, looking for the return, the second coming, you know, because that's what they basically they were. They thought it was an immediate transition, yeah. you know, that, so they were looking for him then. Um, oh, that's a good text. Yeah, and then that. So you know, but the th- and then even to this to this day, there is people that are you know that are at, with that mindset. You know that the the work is done. That they're basically at a place of rest, waiting it out. Um, and that's that's one of the things that we have to be mindful of is that you know there is a great work to do, and that work needs to be done until he does return. And as, as well as being over prepared, is yeah. or, you know, or or just in wait looking for, it's um, it's just as equally you know to be in that place of you know of getting caught off guard, you know, yeah. where once it happens that you be you be taken, you know, and I mean that's that's the one thing. So like you know, I have uh, well, that's one thing I stress to my son. You know, he recently left, and that's why I told him. You know, I says. I don't care what you do in life as long as it doesn't take you from your walk with Christ. Good lead into our topic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because when we, when we stop and think about all that I really want to see, and my time's winding down for me, guys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, uh, getting up there long in the tooth. Uh, what I want to do with the time that God's blessed me with. Absolutely. What, 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 what what accomplishments would I like to achieve? I mean, there's some physical fleshly things, like the old bucket list. But things with merit, things that moth and rust are not going to corrupt. Yeah. Which things should be at the top of my list. Yeah. Through this topic that we're going to talk about today, I want everybody that's listening to understand I'm not talking at you. I promise you I'm not. I was going to say the same thing. I'm talking to myself. That's exactly right. I'm talking to myself because there are some things as men, you guys made it pretty rough on the women the past couple of weeks, but as a man that claims to be a child of God, there are some things that need to chronologically climb my priority list. Absolutely. According to God's Word. If I I believe it and I claim to be a a Christian and (laughs) believe in the, the sovereignty of God's Word and being inspired by the Holy Spirit, there are things in there that demand that Alan live his life by a certain criteria that reflects the goodness of God. Yep. Some people and now some people might say rough. I think I'd rather use the word encourage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand that some listeners might be out there and be like, mm, you know, stepping on toes. No. But you, I mean, you have to understand that, like, we're we're not begging for hate. We're not begging. We're just three guys that want to talk about the Bible. Yep. Um, and, like, I like what Alan said, because literally I was saying the same thing. Is like, we're, we're really not here to point fingers at anybody. Um, we, if anything, instead of pointing our fingers, we want to wave our hands and saying, come, yeah. welcome, be yeah. a part, because we're advocates. Um, here's what, here's we're what, ambassadors. Yeah, here's what we see. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and things that I need to be working on. Yeah. And uh, we talked about submission. Well, that's not just for women. No. It's, it's not. It's not. Exactly. It's not right. just for it's women. It's for us. It's for us, too. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. So then we, as being men, being fathers, and husbands 
Um, and, you know, if we're the one that they're watching, our children and our wives are watching us, um, they're around a lot. So, therefore, if we are always saying do this and not showing that action and doing it, it doesn't go very far. It doesn't. And I'm, I may get a little bent today because I've been blessed to have a awesome example. Besides Jesus Christ, I had a, a godly father physically in my life that was there, busted it every day to provide for six children, single-income family. Mom didn't work. Raised six kids on a single income, was home every day, spent time with us, made sure we were in church, uh, lived it in front of us, and was honest. I mean, the transparency wasn't fake, wasn't phony. And yep. preparing for today's uh, podcast was part of the revelation to me that you didn't need to worry about how you pronounce your words. Right. You need to be honest. You need to be sincere. You need to be the person that I made you. Yes. And God, God's made me who I am, I should be proud of that. Absolutely. I, sh- I should be proud of who I am in Christ, present myself as, hey, I wouldn't be nothing. I wouldn't I wouldn't be anything without Christ in my life. Christ, that's it's right. exactly right. It's exactly right. So, And so if you guys, uh, maybe you guys have already put connected the dots, this is a new segment, and I'll be honest, when I was in the bathroom, this title came to me, Home Life. I mean, this is literally what we're going to be talking about is the home, but not just home, but we're talking about life too and what that looks like for the family, for the husband, for the wife. And structure. For the, yeah, structure, home structure, home life. It, you'll, the title will be one of those. Those are good. Um, but that's what, you know, Alan and Josh, you know, we were talking Sunday, and you guys have to understand that the Bible is pretty big. We could talk about anything. Uh, uh, and, I mean, anytime we come together, what I love is, you know, I'll be honest, there are weeks that every week before we have a podcast, I do pray, you know, Lord guide us and what we need to do. But there are some weeks where I feel like I don't pray enough, but it's a beautiful thing because I just have this comfort and this peace that when the three of us come together, we're going to leave same mind, same accord, and we're going to pray and feel like Lord's going to bless us with a topic. And so this new segment is about the home. And I know we talked about it a little bit with the the last couple segments, but you know, those segments, we really just focused on the two parties, the egalitarians and the complementarians. We didn't really just, like, unscript everything and just strip, you know, strip the word down to the common core of what the family should look like and how we are instructed. And so we're going to do that with this. And I know we touched on a little bit, you know, we will be back in Ephesians 5, I'm sure. But um, if you're out there, um, I really want to encourage you, and I, I'm just going to take just about 10 seconds to say this i would encourage you to listen to what alan and josh are going to talk about because these two men right here are role models to me because i'm young and i'm not married and i don't i have a family but i don't have my own family and so you know these are two guys that i look up to because you know one i'm dating josh is one of josh's daughters and so i'm with them all the time and i'm with alan all the time i'm best friends with his son and so to like see them as parents now you know the bible does talk about that times will come when parents will do what they think is best and you know ultimately god is the best and the bigger parent um the perfect parent but just to watch these two guys and how they're with their families and they love them and they got them, um, it, it's a beautiful thing. And so I would encourage any listener out there to like really listen to the wisdom that these guys are going to so share. So I just I, I want to underline in bold font and all caps a statement that you just made because it's very important 
as we talk about this topic that our listeners understand a parent wants what's best for their children. Every parent wants what's best for their children. Yes. The problem comes in when we have those people that are not reverent, not fearful, not subjective, not subjected to God's leadership, and they use the wrong criteria to judge what's best for their child. So we'll get into all that. I'm probably getting the cart in front of the horse. So the first thing about this home life segment is we're going to talk about the husband and what the Bible talks about the husband um, what the I'm going to be honest, what he's directed and commanded to do as a father and a husband to one wife. Tell the truth. Yeah. Go ahead. And so um, now I will say this. I will to share what truth I have, which is scripture, but I have no experience with either of those. Uh, maybe if this podcast still exists in 10 years. Maybe I'll have enough wisdom to share. Um, I have learned a lot, but I'm super excited to be able to listen to these guys. Hunter will be taking notes during this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hear about this one when it comes out. I can already hear it. Did you listen? And I was like, yeah, I listened a lot. <laughs> so, no, but on all seriousness, I, I'm excited just as our viewers out there that are listening to this i'm just like you all i'm sitting here in anticipation um i have three notes um and i will share those <laughs> but you know it's one of them things that it's it's like alan said this podcast doesn't ha- exist because i'm here it exists because god wants it to exist yeah. whether i'm here yeah. or not so guys um uh, i'm gonna throw another alley-oop you know here's the assist take it wherever you want to start i know there's about three four five scriptures y'all we'll probably talk about so Josh Allen pointed at you, so I, I took the, I took the last one. I you're, let Josh you're up have to bat. So I mean, let's. What is the husband? What's it supposed to look like according to God's word? So the husband is the spiritual authority leader of the house. Is basically what the role is of the husband. Um, many years I did not live under that. Many years uh, before my my salvation, um, I lived of this world and I judged my success as worldly standards what you know possessions happiness things that you know made me happy um and then i also followed because i like i said i didn't have a source of truth that i lived so i lived of the world and um sitcoms movies entertainment world is what drove me so that's what i looked at um there's a great injustice happening in our modern culture when it comes to the husband Amen. or the family unit because they have them as basically buffoons, you know, that cannot tie his shoestrings without his wife's help. Um, and it's funny, and we get a good laugh. Caveman. And, um, but then, like I said, once I got into the house, um, the house of God, and got into the Word of God and, and, and realized that, you know, I was— a sinful, lost man in need of a savior. Once I started making those corrections, um, like I said, I, I came across something one time that it basically told that my wife is to be subservient to me, and I used it all out of context and with all ill will, and I addressed it with her. And I says, listen, this is what you need to be. This is who it says you're supposed to be. Um, and then I got on the study of what a man is to do and how he's supposed to lead his house. Um, spiritually and it really hit home with me because then i started looking at myself and it's like do i pray with my children do i pray with my wife do i sit down with them and read the word of god to them 
Do I show them through leading of an example of what it means to be a godly man? And the answer to all those questions was no. So therefore, I was failing miserably in my walk as a Christian. More so than just as a failure to my father, but I was a failure as a leader. I was a coward because I didn't want to make the stand to say, you know what, I don't care what the rest of the world wants or looks at you know, or thinks is popular. I have a responsibility for you as my wife. I have a responsibility for you as my child. And with that responsibility, we are now going to live to this because this is what I believe in and this is the word of God. So when you, when, you, when, you, when you stop and think about the statement you just made, somebody that's listening to this podcast that may be in a similar situation, whose responsibility it's, uh, is it, Josh, to make the decision for the household to move towards a godly standpoint? It's, it's, the, it's the husband. It's the male. It's, in, in your case, was it your responsibility? Absolutely. It was my responsibility, and that's what I had to do. Yep. And, and, and that's the thing about it. And so I'm going to rock the boat a little bit because it has been on my mind. And, I, and I mean, when Alan mentioned this Sunday, um, he mentioned it after the morning service, and he's like, you know, family. And I was like, oh, yes. I'm, I was immediately on board um, because, like I said, this is something that's been wearing on me. If the man is the spiritual leader of the house, why is it in corporate setting churches the men are lacking? Are the least active. Yes, you have you'll have ninety women lined up, do you want ready talk, to go to work. You want to talk about some hate? We're gonna get some hate <laughs> yeah, after this oh, one hits the air. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Exactly yes. right. Because yeah. here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. When we <laughs> when we start when, when we start talking about, I'm talking about fundamentals. Yeah. Just basic stuff about being reverent, being submissive, being in a, a, a reverential knowledge of who God is and our relationship with Him. Uh, a man should number one first understand who god is yes. and where i fall in this whole chronological you know uh, hierarchy is man i'm i'm way down at the bottom god i'm way less than you and i need you for everything in my life but when i understood me and my wife had several conversations while we were dating several conversations while we we're engaged and and we talk about complimentary. She absolutely, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, hunting for some brownie points here. I'm, I'm just saying that God put us together. I know He did because she is the most nurturing person I've ever known in my life, and uh, she, she loves our children and she nurtures our children. Uh, I've been the disciplinarian for our children uh, simply because of the fact of God's word teaches me that I'm to be their father right. and I'm, I, I hope they like me and I hope that we have good times together but I, I don't care about being buddies with them right I'm going to be their father there's going to be instruction and there's going to be correction and uh, so far both of my kids have fell into the subjection of my leadership and I, I appreciate the respect for that we, we talked about uh, the role of the the husband and the father as being a leader, uh, the Bible talks about not provoking your children to wrath. I think that's a, a, a scripture that uh, uh, it takes that balance of being a, a, a disciplinarian and, and teaching your kids what's right. And there's no exceptions and don't, you know, uh, understand that God's God's word is the authority on everything that we do. And, and when they 
understand the fact that it's motivated from love. There's respect that comes along with that. Yes. And the Bible teaches us to train up our children. And the way it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a, a suggestion. <coughs> it's, it's the, it's the training type of military activity that takes place. Yep. You, know, you, you train them. Yeah. You train them. You teach them. It's not optional. Yeah. <laughs> it was never optional at my house. Yep. I was taught. I was took to church. And eventually, when I got to the age when me and my wife started dating, and we're out on our own. Now I'm independent. Yep. Now I'm making my own decisions. Mama and Daddy's not there to. But guess what was there? the Holy Spirit, to say, I'm real. Your relationship with me is real. You need to be active in church. And because of that, I could never get away from it. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, uh, a brainwash, but it's that relationship that began when a godly daddy that wouldn't put up with a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of lip and a bunch of my opinion taught me and trained me in the ways of God and in the ways of God's Word. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, like, you brought up a couple valid points that, like, just I'm sitting there and listening to it. And one of the things is, is that, so for me, when I, when I was at the place of loss, you, you know, you, you said that there wasn't an option. That's the one of the things that, so when, when I was saved and I realized who I was, at that moment, there was no more option, yeah. and that's where that's where that, that stepped in, you know. And but meanwhile, I had a family that I had raised in the world, no no discipline. I mean, we had discipline, but I wanted to be the friend. So my wife was the disciplinarian. She was the one that took fed them. She was the one that you know bathed them. She pretty much did ninety five percent of the workload. Um, and I wanted to be their buddy, and I and and the the the. the excuse i used was you're with them all the time i'm hardly ever home so if i'm hardly ever home and then all i am is a disciplinarian then i have no hope you know so the kids are gonna hate you. yes i was like so you do all of the work and I, i'll just be the good guy because but my time's limited so totally justify it makes sense no it doesn't you know i was a yeah. failure at it well i'm okay with my kids hating me yeah exactly <laughs> you know and i mean that's what it got to though and that was the point that, that well, and every 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 and here's 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 the deal we've got now i'm i'm a uh, recently a grandfather so uh my job's not done with my children I've right. not only I've not yes. only I've not only still have a commitment to God to be responsible to continue to teach and train my children, but now I'm training them in different areas how to be how to be parents themselves. Right. And, and I've told them I was like, when the grandbaby comes over, spoiled Papa's not saying no. That's right. It's whatever spoiled. whatever grandbaby wants. <laughs> now if if grandbaby needs lined up, I may look at you and say. Eh. Yeah, and it's your responsibility to create Correct your child, yeah. not Papa's. Right. Yep. <laughs> and that's and that's the beauty of it, you know. And be like, now that's what I'm starting to look forward towards, you know, yeah. is the day that you know I I get grandchildren. And I finally get to be the good guy. Yeah, and that's what I'm, and that's what I tell my kids, you know. I was like, don't be mad because it's going to be a different dad, right. you know. Right. But you know, and I mean, me, me and my wife came in kind of late in the game, but it's never really too late. It's never too late to make that change. And in, in the beginning, it was it was hard for the family unit to be basically fall under that um and it was because there was no authority there was i mean it, it depended on what the issue was where the authority line came sometimes it was my wife sometimes it was me um but once we got under the word of god and got the authority lined out in the home in the beginning it was rough but it was rough for the children but now the the structure unit is there 
to any time. It just doesn't feel natural if anything is as out of line. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's one of the things that we do is um, we read the Bible at night after dinner. We all sit around. We have a, we, a, a huge table, and we sit around and read the Bible. Um, it's it, awesome. It is. It's, it, it, it's awesome. It's the best time for me, as you know, and a lot of the kids, too. We just sit around and reread and discuss the Bible. But the thing is, is that, you know, now when it doesn't happen, you know, some nights will be crazy or whatever, and it won't happen. The next day, it feels off. It's just like, you know, it, it ain't right. You know, and that's one of the beauty things of it, and like, is that knowing that there is no other option. There is no going back, you know, and that's one of the things I keep telling my kids with analogy-wise. I'm, I'm huge on analogies. If you save my physical life, just in a physical life, I'm not going to forget this. Right. Let alone you save my physical and spiritual life. What about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then how can I not have the reverence, you know? So, like, you know, people will say, you know, well, like, and I mean, I get it because, like I said, before I was truly saved, I was a yo-yo I, in the world, in church, you know, no salvation, just attending church, you know, looking good outside. Yeah. And I was a yo-yo, you know, and, I, and so then I would, you know, I would be in the church for a while. And the next thing you know, I'd be back out in the world. And then I'd get back in church and people would ask me that knew me would be like, you know, how long does this stint last? You know, and that's what happened, too. But I told them, I was like, you know, this time is different. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm saved. You know, I was right. like, I have a savior, you know, Jesus Christ. You know, and they're like, I know you've met. And I was like, no, you don't get it. This is not this. It's real. And it's 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 so needed, man. I tell you yes. what, when we get when we get talking about things like uh, the church, I mean, you, you'll probably hear us refer back to uh, as the home goes, so goes the church, and you'll yes. you'll hear us probably refer to that several times while we while we talk through this uh, the order of family, uh, the need for men to be godly. The need for men to be leaders, the need for men to be confident in the Word of God and place their faith in it enough to raise their family on it, enough to lead their uh, church by it. Yeah. Uh, those those resources are all available to us as long as w- we will meet the conditions that are in it and, and apply our lives and live honestly for God. A man alive, there's power there. There's power in the in, not only in the family, but there's power in the church. Yeah. And uh, that then spreads into the community. And I've, I've said this, I don't know, probably said it three or four times during the podcast. If we get sick of the, the crime rate in Monroe County, if we get sick of meth being sold in the schools, if we get sick of uh, uh, rehabilitation centers overflowing because of prescription drug abuse, let the church get active in living out their faith in home. Let it get real in your life. Let it get real in your home. It'll get real in your church. I promise you, it's going to get real in the community. Absolutely. It's going to get yes. real. It's going to get real in an industrial environment. It'll get real in the Can't schools. Can't stop it. Well, and I even, and I've got two questions I want to ask y'all, and this will kind of keep it, get us going in a different direction too. Um, I just want to say this. I think a lot of problems stem out of the household. I think we all can agree with that. Yep. If children aren't getting attention and they're not getting trained, um, in a Christian home or a non-Christian home, if nothing is going on in either home, then the children will live according to the morality that they feel is right. So if they think it's okay to kill people, 
because no one told them it wasn't or tried to, they'll do it. If they feel like it's okay to steal. So I, I think a lot of problems stem out of the home. I think if we want to see crime rate, if we want to see things change, and as Christians, if we want to see more children, we want to see more faithful generations than the ones we belong to, then I think more time needs to be put in the home. Um, and that's to say I don't have kids, but that is something I have learned from wiser men that have been doing this for a while. I've just seen them and seen them teach that and preach that, that, you know, it really, a lot of it starts in the home. Um, and so guys, I've got two questions because this is my role today. <laughs> you guys have already said my three notes. So no, I'm kidding. So, you know, you, you guys have expressed, um, one term. You guys have both mentioned the word authority. Now, here we are in 2020, and uh, I I think of this question just because I hear people talk about it. Now, obviously, we talked about last the last couple weeks about authority. So I want to ask this. One, what does it mean to be spiritual authority, the head of the household? But two, do the wives have any sort of authority? Because that's a question some women are going to ask. It's like, oh, what? I don't get... No, can, there's more to it. Can so I go, go ahead, Alan. Can I yeah, go? Yeah, I answer it. Good. Because here, here's what's happened. Somewhere, and I don't know where. I'm not a big scholar as far as uh, history or genealogy. But somewhere down through history, down through time, we have taken... Taken. 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 See what I just did? <laughs> we, have taken, taken. we have taken the word. We need sound effects in here. And I can just hit a... <laughs> 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 go ahead. Authority which is attractive, and put it in place of the word of responsibility, which is not attractive. God's give us the responsibility to lead our home, not the the authority to lead our home. And and when we we look at the position that we occupy, according to God's word, not according to my opinion, but according to God's word, the position that I occupy is more a position of responsibility Yes, that's well said. Yes. Then it is a position of Absolutely. authority. Because I mean, if you think the head of each home should ultimately be Christ, right? right. Because yeah. the husband, wife, and kids will seek Christ. Now, yes. when we put that in a, a different spin on that, that fleshly, carnal-minded thing, and we say, okay, it's now a position of authority. Well, now that's attractive, and everybody wants to be in a position of authority because yeah. now I have power. I am. Or they take the word submit and kind of make it into something a dirty word. Yeah, it is not a dirty word. So. And Alan, I think that was honestly that was the best way you That's could say point. that. Yeah. Like it, it's more of responsibility than authority. Because I'm gonna be honest, any Christian man that studies the word is gonna realize that he's nothing but wretched. So yeah. to try to express any authority, you're just gonna you won't go far because you'll be like, oh man, I'm so wretched. But I, I okay. So Alan, now taking the word responsibility, you know, when you look at the wife, like when you think about that, it said that the husband will leave his parents and the two will become one. So obviously the man has a responsibility to lead the house and make sure that it's under God and it's under the Lord. But for the wife, I mean, would you not say that she does have responsibility? Because parenting, oh, take, it takes two to tango. It does, it does. And like I said, when, when God put me and my wife together, he really knew what he was doing. And, and uh, uh, she, she is one of the most kind, nurturing people I've ever met in my life. And, and she uh, provides our children with that sense of love and comfort and safe uh, uh, climate or atmosphere that a child needs to develop healthy. 
She does that. And the responsibilities that the virtuous woman has, we'll get into that in our as we go through the, the, the study of the family. I don't know who our guest speaker is going to be, but we'll have to have somebody in here that can uh, uh, speak truth to <laughs> what it means to be a virtuous woman. <laughs> I, don't I, think I don't think I'm qualified. I was thinking about that, too. I thought, you know, we might have to bring another voice in here that but can really, like, help. The Bible's full of information. On, it is. Oh, it's full yeah. of information on how to be chaste and how to be, yeah. you know what I'm saying? To, 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 to teach your your children and to, to be that uh, nurturing spirit. Well, that goes back to, I think, something Josh said the last couple of weeks was, you know, the Bible does talk about, like, wives submitting. But Josh painted a picture last week of, like, yes, the Bible does say that. But you talked about how the husband, I mean, he serves his wife. Yeah. He sets her up because she has spiritual gifts. And I don't know if we got to talk about this last week, but I'm going to say it now because I'm super excited. Because um, this is the, one of the only things that I think I can really <laughs> throw in here is Matt. This is a quote by Matt Chandler. We talked about this: is that if you are a husband that looks at his wife as a servant or a slave, um, you will be judged for how you treat a daughter of God because Absolutely. it is a daughter. Absolutely. I mean, even in Ephesians five, which my next question is going to come from, it says, you know, love love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Christ gave himself up for your wife man that's listening to this and that's what he said he's like you know one day if you do not treat your wife and serve her and let her exercise the spiritual gifts and fruits that god has given her as a christian you will be held accountable for hindering your wife and he was basically like good luck yeah and yeah. i mean and so that kind of leads into this question now we obviously read about you know Ephesians 5 that verse love your wives as Christ loved the church or even Colossians 3:19 says husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them so, so if, if we if we take this topic and we go back to our statement, that and it's not made, just a topic in no. Ephesians, there's eight verses for men, and I think there's two for women. So this is important. Go ahead. It, Alan. it is important, and when, when we when we we look at it from the concept of a God fearing uh, three verses for women. man who believes in the authority of the Scripture and believes that it's true and believes it's valuable to live by and not only live by but raise your family by, and we compare that to the carnal man who does not understand, and he has that carnal view of a woman and the things that he has his mind on when, you know, we'll not get into all of that. Yeah, let's not. But, <laughs> but when, you, when, you, when, you, when you stop and think about <laughs> Does that sound effect? That's the sound effect. Yeah. When, you, when you stop and think about the fact that God is, has taken, uh, in Adam and Eve's instance, he, he created uh, Eve to make Adam a helpmate took the rib i'm talking yes. about bone of bone flesh of flesh one there's that verse yes you know what i'm saying <laughs> and, and it's not like it's dirty no it's not gosh and i think it's where we failed our kids because we don't talk about these things right and i'm going to tiptoe around it because if you've got the the fleshly carnal way that hollywood presents women you know you're you're thinking that this is a sex object and and I've told my son, boy, he's going to kill me when I tell him this. If you think that getting married is going to end your sexual frustrations, you got another thing coming because right. you're getting in with the wrong mindset. Marriage yep. is not a Motel it's 6. It's not. It's yeah. not a Motel 6. It's a relationship that's holy. A live partner. That's, it is. That's how I've been taught it a is. lot. Is and it's, 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 it, it is undefiled in the eyes of God. 
and it's 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 structured in a way and fashioned in a way that if a man goes into it with his mind in the scripture, with his mind godly, seeking leadership from God, that relationship then blossoms into something that we've you guys I mean you covered it so well with the complimentary where they complement each other. Yeah. And, and and it's it's like that well old machine. So let me ask you this then. Because you brought up some stuff that just now we're, we're now my the wheels are turning. So basically, if a if we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church, and we have taken on a wife for life to become one flesh, why is it that we hear things like, well, it just we don't connect anymore? Or there's just seems like <laughs> since kids, there's not been that much of me and her or she works or it, it just got thousand, real. The, the thousand list of items. I mean, so the, so let's let's look at our example, because if we are to love like Christ loved the church. When has Christ turned his back on the church? Exactly. Never. Exactly. And, and that's when we go back to God's word and yes. we, we, we start getting our eye off our wife and get it back on herself and understand what our relationship <laughs> with Thank God yes. is supposed to be in the yeah. first place. And I'm not pointing fault at her and looking at the speck in her eye. That's right, because I'm, we had the plank coming out of ours. I've got a tube before in mine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly Listeners, right. if you've ever touched a hot oven on accident, it burns. <laughs> and if I could add a new sound effect to my invisible soundboard, it would be like when someone said, you go, ooh. Because... Listen, now Josh is not, he's not casting stones, but if the shoe fits, surely you need to put it on. Because yeah. Josh just said, too, it's yeah. it's all about the man admitting. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it is. And listen, I, I'm not married, but I will admit, will I ever be a perfect husband? Absolutely not. not. And the thing is, is that we are not perfect. So why do is it we put that blame or expectation on our spouse we or do. our children? We do. We and we do. We do. Well, yes, <laughs> and, we, and that's the thing about it. But we we are flawed. We got some bottom line, guys. Bottom listen, line. Josh and Alan might seem borderline feminists today, but I promise you, they're not. We talked about. No, the we love our wives. We love our children. <laughs> we live in a godly home. I mean, if anything, we we build up our wives. So we do not destroy them or tear them down. Right. I mean, we want to lift them up, and the same with our children. But the the thing is, is that our our adversary, the one we're going against, is the rest of the world. And I've seen so many times in my relationship how he's made his way in. Yes. And he drives that wedge between me and her. Yep. And he understands that if he can get. If he can get strife, if he can get heartache, if he can get some type of friction between me and my wife, the next thing you know, uh, man alive, I'm I'm going to bed mad and I don't care. Right, and it's that. And it, I don't but, care. You stay away from me. because yep. I'm mad. Yep. And I'm going to stay mad for a little while. Here's another one of my perfect or my broken <laughs> analogies, but it's a splinter. It's a splinter. You get it in there, and it's like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, I'll, I'll dig it out. But the next thing you know, three, four days later, that splinter is now infected. Yeah. And that's the same with the relationship. It is. You know, it seems something so small, and it's like, well, we're just not even going to discuss it. So, and and the, these are things, I'm sure Josh will agree with me, these are things that we learned the hard way. Absolutely. After, after, <laughs> after going through, you know, times of very uncomfortable conversations at home and, why, and, and, and just having it, man, alive, it just – it's not supposed to be like this. And finally get into a position where you understand the problem's not with everybody else. That's right. The problem was with me. Yep. And when I got my heart right with God, 
I understood that my wife's not my enemy. She's there to help me, yeah. and she's there to 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 to, uh, to, to be uh, a support to me. And and as that family unit uh, gets in a position to where God wants it to be, we then become that vessel that's fit for God's use. That clean. I mean, I've used this analogy before too. If I'm gonna go get a drink of water, and I get a a glass out of the cabinet, and it's got like a dry milk ring in the bottom of it, I typically will just lay it in the sink and won't even use it. Go get me another one, look for a clean one. God's the same way. If he wants a family that he can use, he wants that family that's clean and, and in a position where he can use them. So uh, I, I challenge the men that are listening. Again, we're not, we're not feminists. Not feminists. We're, we're wanting to encourage men <laughs> to understand that there's a role yes. that God requires you to occupy. And, and that role is to be uh, someone who's, hey, when it's Sunday morning, and it gets 7, 30, 8 o'clock, it's my responsibility as a husband to say, get up. Yeah. Let's go to church. Yeah. It's my responsibility to lead my family to church. It's my responsibility and to make sure that it's God's day and he gets honor out of my family. Some, right. In some households, it's the opposite. Yeah. But in some households, it's pretty, I mean, they're both up and they're ready to, I mean, yep. some faithful. So, I, and I do want to say this because we've talked about this and, you know, my friend, um, I have a good friend named Josh Walden and I love him to death. Um, but, you know, when Josh first got married to his wife, Sarah, like at her be- beckoning call, whatever it was, whatever it took, he's there and he still is and they've been married for over a year. That's sweet. And see, we, you know. You got friends that might make jokes or make whip jokes, but one thing that I've learned is through their counsel, like they do. If you get married by our pastor or anyone here, you can you have to go through marriage counseling. But what Josh shared with me is through counseling and learning Ephesians five, and I, I don't think it's that. I do think that Josh loves Sarah, but I think it's mostly because he's realized that Christ loved the church exactly. and he's loved Josh so much that when it says he needs to love Sarah as Christ has loved the church. That's why. And so uh, shout out to Josh because, I mean, you know, he's 21 and he's only been married for over a year, but he's learned something. And not only has he learned something, but he set an example that I look at just like I look at you two. And I'm like, man, I I need to remember all this. I would like to say this about uh, our pastor. And uh, I've heard him make statements from the pulpit about how uh, his wife is precious to him. And he's 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 drawn those boundaries out that the. God has placed them together and that she is his wife. And to me, that is an honorable position that a husband should take Yes, to say, Hey, you know what? Thank you, God, for putting this person in my life and she's mine. And men, if you're out there and you got any ideas in your head, you better get them out (laughs) because she's mine. Yeah. I I, I appreciate, I appreciate our pastor for saying that. And I quote, he said, and and any of you jokers get any ideas, I'm going to encourage you not to. Yeah. I appreciate appreciate (laughs) you making that statement. End quote. It's one of my favorite uh, Pastor Jason quotes. Because sometimes he says some things and you're like, what does he, you know, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. And that's, I think it's very appropriate. Yeah, it is. In the day that that we live in, it's a very appropriate statement that a man values the relationship with his wife. (laughs) <laughs> enough to contend for it. That's what a unfiltered, honest pastor would say. 
Yeah. And yep. I'm, when you hear the word unfiltered, you might think something bad. No. But when I think of the word unfiltered, I mean, there's no filters. And so when you see truth down to the nitty gritty of it, it's unfiltered. There's nothing over yep. it. It's just exposed honesty. And that's what it, I mean. He was exactly. honest. Exactly. And, uh, and I love that, too, because, you know, for, you know, in, in my home, the way I've been taught by my father is it's a life partner. Yes. I, I mean... And when, you know, we live in 2020 and people take the word partner and use it for all sorts of ungodly manner. But, like, someone you're going to be with, like, he uses the example, you know, he knew he wanted to, my dad wanted to marry my mother. But there came that point where they had to talk and be like, you know, we want to be life partners. We want to be together till the day that we die and we want God to bless it. And so that just opened that it up to me that, one, Alan made a good point, you know, as a, a young man or a young woman, marriage is not a Motel 6. That's not what it's about. And two, you need to keep, well, more importantly, you need to keep Jesus first at every point of your marriage. But three, it's one of them things that it, it's life. It's day by day, hour by hour. It's two lives coming together, sharing, and, and all of these things. And, you know, I've always been told that, you know, the love and the fire and all the things that you have for your wife never goes away. But I've been, I've been told and I've seen that, you know, when that honeymoon phase is over and your wife starts noticing that you leave toothpaste in the sink or you don't put the... There comes hard times, but even in that, you realize we're together. Yeah. This is it. We're going to work together. Um, and so... We've got about four minutes left, and I want to just, both of y'all, one of y'all, when Ephesians 6 talks about not provoking children to anger, um, you know, provoking, everybody hears the word provoking, you might think of poking a bear with a stick, it's going to attack or it's going to blow up. So, you know, you guys have done such a marvelous job today talking about a husband, how he looks at his wife and how he should view his wife, but when it comes to your all's children, I mean... How do you view that? How can you help young men right now, young parents, young husbands? How, how can they love their children better? How can they treat them more godly? So one of the things that I I want to point reference to is um, I had a discussion with pastor one day that I asked him, you know, I says, how do you have difficult conversations with people that you're witnessing to? And he says, you don't have it. You let the word of God have it. And I was like, that is interesting. <laughs> that is very, he goes, he goes, well, he goes, if, if you're just sharing the word of God and you're not your opinion, who's wrong? He says, oh, did you say something wrong? He's like, if they're going to get mad, who are they mad at? Are they mad at you? They're, no, they're mad at the word of God. It's kind of like that with the children. It, it really is. And I mean, it, the more, the more you discipline a child, Alan made a point earlier that, you know, I, I wish I had adapted earlier in my life. And that is that, you know, when you discipline that child, you're disciplining with love. Um, you know, like I says, I was not the disciplinarian when my kids were little. And, you know, that, I left it to my wife. You know, she was going to be the bad guy. So um, I cheated my children by not disciplining them because then I was always the guy that cut up with, you know, and to the point to even sometimes they would do something with their mom that gets them in trouble and they come over to dad and they're like, you know, we'll do it with dad because he'll, and that's terrible. Um, so when I started making the corrections, then once, you know, once I experienced Christ and started making the corrections in my house, 
with my children, they then thought, you know, well, dad, you're not really serious about that. And that was uh, something I had to overcome, but I had to do it with love, you know, and then show them that, you know, and, and, and the thing about it is because I was such the goof with my kids for so many years, um, there was that little bit of that friendship, you know, where it's like, you know, they were more at liberty to say certain things or do certain things to me. Well, as time progressed, the thing is, is with our children, we do it in their best interest. And it's nothing that we have them to do. And like I says, I mean, for me, for a prime example is I use the word of God. You know, and that's the thing is, is that when it comes to it, only every situation that we encounter in life, we can find solutions, problems, questions through the word of God. And as we go through this uh, study of family and we get on children, uh, one thing that we need to keep in mind is children don't know. Yes. They're taught. They have to be taught. They're taught. And what they, their, their source uh, uh, of information is coming from the parents. Yeah. So uh, f- for years... I thought everybody had the same upbringing that I had. Good, godly church. And I'm telling you guys, I can't overemphasize the fact that uh, I appreciate my my parents bringing me up in church. But uh, you never had to question what my father meant when he said no. You never had to question it. He was consistent my entire life. And my children today, if they hear me say no, they understand I mean no. Yeah. And it's not a it's not me being an ogre, it's me being consistent and installing some uh, good godly discipline into my children. And and I don't know where that's another word we took somewhere down through the generations and twisted it into a dirty word. Discipline is not a dirty word. No, it's not. It's godly, and uh, again, it will keep not only uh, your family but your children out of a lot of trouble. Yep. If they can provide a little bit of self-discipline. Well, that's why he said If that, they can, I'll supplement it for them. That's why, <laughs> you know, I mean, it says that a parent will do what is right in their own mind yeah. um, when it comes to chastisement, when it comes to the correction of children. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think there's one person out there that has a perfect model of how to discipline a child. I think every parent needs to look at their child and think, I'm going to discipline them what is going to be effective. Because yep. a lot of people jump to spankings. Now, I want to say this, you know, I think it's important on how you can correct a child. Um, but when I was little, dude, it was like my bottom was made of rubber. <laughs> I mean, literally. Like my, I remember I would get do something, and, you know, my parents didn't beat me, you know, but they right. would spank me and right. say, you don't need to do that. But usually I'd look at them and laugh. But see, when I got old enough, when I started having things, you know, what I noticed was they would start grounding me, but they would start talking to me. So part of being an effective educator, when you look at a a father's role in the house of educating his children, part of being an effective educator was, go back to the statement that I make and can still confidently make at age 50, I know when my dad said no, he meant no. He effectively taught me that. He done a good job teaching me that. Yeah. And I think that God puts us in a position as we're raising our kids, as we're training our kids, he gives us that insight through the Holy Spirit of what is effective and what's a good teaching tool. And, and again, uh, being resourceful, I think that God's word is probably the best. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, you know, my parents, you know, they would correct me as they thought was best the way that they needed to as Hebrews 12 talks about. Um, but you know, then it got to the point where 
I could comprehend that I was doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. But it was one of them things that my parents used biblical foundation to correct me. Like, you're disrespectful. You know, they would. And so then it got to the point where, you know, taking things away or spanking that stuff, you know, it didn't. But when they started, like, really talk, talking and saying, you've messed up, you know, you weren't supposed to do that, you, you know, here's some, and they would provide that training. What really taught me, and I mean, it affected me, was when I realized that I had let them down. But not only had I let them down, and I didn't realize this at first, but the foundation that I had let down was based on the Word of God. Yeah. And so I felt awful. Could we and, not go back to whoopings? <laughs> and I mean, yeah. but that's yeah. where... Yeah. I'll take a whooping if you'll just, yeah. you just, you just quit talking. Yes, and so that's where, you know, each parent needs to th- look at their child and say, you know, we want to train them up. We don't want to spare the rod and spoil... You know, when you think of that, I think a lot of people think of like a literal rod um, and... There is significance and there is effectiveness to parenting. And I I had it from my grandparents and my parents. That's how our house was. But then it's like they looked at how I was growing up and they changed their training. And it was so effective. And I made mistakes. But now I look back and I'm thankful. And I I learned a lot from how they trained me and they helped me. Um, And I think you guys have done a great job of, listen, I mean, this is one of the best segments. And I'm not trying to blow anybody's head up. But this is just a great segment that explains husbands in the home, the home structure. Um, I think you guys have hit it from both sides of the spectrum from the man that says, honey, make my dinner, kick the door down. And then the person that's like, well, I think it's equal. You guys have, I mean, it's just been great. And I, there goes my Sprite. And I, I think this is, this has blessed me if it hasn't blessed anybody else, but um, we've ran out of time. So guys, is there anything else that you want to say or leave with our listeners about the husband? God bless. God bless. Yeah, God. Yeah, God, I, I thought you guys were saying like God bless the husbands, but I, I see what you're saying. No, I'm kidding. So, um, guys, we we love y'all, and we will be back next week. Peace. <laughs>